0: Let's, uh, let's pause and go to the Lord in prayer real quick again and uh, ask his uh, spirit, the Holy Spirit, to be teaching us this morning uh, from the word. So let's just bow our heads before him. Father, Lord, we come to you this morning thanking you, Lord, for the gift that you have given us. Lord, as Riley said, uh, voices to sing and to praise your name. Lord, the ability to give back you have given us so much uh, that we have to to give, and in our abundance, we thank you for that, Lord. Father, we pray for uh, every soul that is here this morning, Lord, that you would speak to us through your word and that uh, your spirit would change us. God, that we would walk away a different people than we came in today because we have had an encounter with the living God. So, Father, we commit this hour to you. We ask, God, that you would do only the things that you are able to do. Keep me hidden behind the cross. Remind me of my position that I'm as low as the dust and you are high as the heavens. And that it's a privilege to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you again for the day. Now commit this to you in Christ's name. Amen. All right, if you would turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 127, and that's kind of going to be our springboard for this morning, our text uh, to talk about a very important issue. Psalm 127 and verse 3. And it says this, Lo, children are an inheritance of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. I think it will be no surprise this morning that the subject is the sanctity of life. Uh, very important message. As a matter of fact, when I started looking at this, this message, uh, I wasn't going to do it initially. I was just going to carry on with our normal study of the word and uh, as the Lord really kind of convicted me and saying, listen, if we're going to make a difference, then we, we have to address things uh, from the word of God. And so let me just begin by asking a question this morning is the bible clear about abortion is the bible clear about abortion well we say yes and and I would hope so as we develop this message out but let me just kind of give you a little something that we can understand that not everybody in the christian community believes that the bible is clear about abortion as a matter of fact sometime before christmas i went to a save a life luncheon Uh, There were, I believe, um, uh, there were 33 Baptist churches that were represented there. Uh, There were some holiness churches that were represented there. There was a Catholic church that was represented there. But your mainline Protestant denominations were not there. you grab that? The mainline Protestant denominations were not there. And the reason they are not there is because they really have a very liberal, humanistic, secular view of the subject of abortion. And so what we want to do this morning, and, and believe me, I've been prayerful about this because I know this is a very, very sensitive subject. and can be a very painful subject. But uh, in the end, I want you to know that there's hope. So the short answer to that question is, is the Bible clear about abortion? The short answer to that question is an emphatic yes. We as a church believe that the Bible should shape the way that we think. Further, we believe that the way that we think will really determine our decisions, and ultimately our decisions are going to determine our actions. And so when we talk about is the Bible clear on this subject, yes, it is. And what really needs to happen is you and I need to conform the way that we think to the way that God thinks. Can I get an amen out of that? So we look at this, and I think too often we find God's people turning to other sources rather than the Bible. Therefore, this morning we want to look at what the Word of God says concerning abortion because a right view of this begins with a right view of man and a right view of God. Now I want you to think about that for a moment. Having a right understanding or a correct understanding of what the Bible says concerning abortion involves really two things. It's that we have to have a right view of who man is and we need to have a right view of who God is. Without that, it's impossible to really get a firm grasp of what this subject is all about. The message this morning might be convicting for many. There are some who may need to experience forgiveness through his marvelous grace. But no matter who hears the message, it should impact every person who hears what is said this morning. And it should impact us in a way that we view life through the lens of scripture, which is the way God views life. Now, we're going to be using a lot of text. I usually don't you know, preach topical messages, but this is one that we had to address in a topical way, so there's gonna be a lot of scriptures that we're gonna be going to this morning, but let me just give you four points that we're gonna cover today. The first point is this. We need to see the creator, all right? We need to see the creator. That's having the right view of God. Then we wanna see the creation. That's having the right view of man. And then we want to see the command that God gives concerning the subject that we're talking about this morning. Then we want to see the comfort that God offers at the end of this. And finally, we want to talk about a conclusion which is going to involve some of these things the baby bottle. The Creator. Again, to understand really you know, the whole concept behind abortion, and it, it is a touchy, touchy subject. As a matter of fact, it's so touchy that there are platforms, political platforms, that fight one way or the other on this subject. That's how it has infiltrated our society, and it has infiltrated into the church, and unfortunately, sometimes a political view is outweighing a biblical view of what we should be doing. So, again, we have to start with the right view, and the right view always begins with God. Beloved, let me say this morning, sometimes that we have forgotten this, and we have have been miseducated that a right view does not begin with man. A right view always begins with God and who he is, because until we determine who he is, we can never understand who we are. And so we start this morning with the creator. Our view needs to be shaped by scripture concerning this subject. And in order to do that, understanding the role of God in creation. Uh, we, have, we will start in March, I believe, uh, teaching uh, from Answers in Genesis. And you some said, said why are we going to, to go to there? Because, folks, unless you have the fundamentals of creation, nothing else in this walk makes sense. You've got to go back to the beginning. And, and understanding that then shapes how we feel about everything else, how we believe about everything. But this understanding is that God is the one who creates all things. Colossians says in 1.16, it says, by him, for him, through him were all things made. Now think about it, what is the subject this morning? The subject is about abortion, but if we really, to kind of break that down, what's the, really the subject about? The subject is about human life. And so when we say this, and we say that he is the creator, we need to understand God's place in creation, and in particular this morning, we need to understand God's place in creation of the human. And sometimes we don't understand that God is the creator. The Bible again says that he has created all things, and that includes every human that has ever been born. So, understanding that, listen, here's the first thing I would like for us to get under the creator. Life is no accident. Life is not an accident. As a matter of fact, turn with me to Genesis, Chapter 16, if you would. Genesis chapter 16 and verse 2. And the Bible says this concerning uh, life and not being an accident. And Sarah, or Sarai, said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go unto my maid. Uh, It it may be that I may obtain children by her. I want you to take note there. Here's the important thing I want you to see with. She says, the Lord has restrained me from having children. Now turn the page and go over to chapter 17 and verse 16. And it says this, and I will bless her and give this. This is the Lord saying, I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Now, there, go to, to Samuel, 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 19. And they rose up early in the morning, and they worshiped before the Lord, and returned and came to their house, to Ramah, and Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Now, if you know the story there, She had been crying out for a child. Uh, She had said, Lord, give me a child. What is the point of all this when I say these things, this Genesis 16, 2, 17 and 16 and and 1 Samuel 1, 19 there? Here, Here is the thing about that. Every one of these scriptures points to the fact that God is the one who restrains and God is the one who enables conception of a child. Now until we as a people understand that and grab hold of that listen it's not it's more than the act of a man and a woman coming together it involves the blessing of God and the bible makes it very clear that children are a blessing from him and so we need to understand again it's not an accident And the subject of abortion often revolves around this concept. Well, it was just an accident, and I need to take care of the accident that took place. Life is not an accident. The God creator is involved in every single child. Now, that's important because we have to understand that that is what God is working in. Not only that, life is no accident, but the Lord is involved in creation of every human being, uh, as we've been saying, but look at Psalm 139. Psalm 139. And verse 13 through16. It says, "For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb." I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I, made, uh, when I was made in secret, and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Then leave your, or just turn from there and go to Job chapter 10. Left-hand turn, go over to Job chapter 10, and Verses 8 through 12 tells us this. Thine hands have made me and fashioned me together round about, yet thou dost destroy me. Now, let me, let me just stop right there. What we get out of these two verses and saying that life is no accident, these two verses say that God is involved in everything. Think about this for a moment. That when a child is conceived, the Bible says that God is the one who is fashioning that child in the womb. God is the one who is giving that child what it needs, the the ability to think, the personality that it has, uh, the traits that it will have. Now, I don't know, you know, I've got three kids and four grandchildren. One is actually in the womb right now, but that's still a child. And is going to be born. So I say, when somebody says, how many grandchildren do you have? I say, I've got four. Three that are here on the earth and one that is in the womb. Now, let me just throw it around this way, too, because I think this puts eternal perspective on things. If one of my children were to die and go into heaven, when they say, how many children do you have? I would say, I have three children. I have two that are here on the earth and one that is in heaven. They don't cease to exist. Now, that's important to think about when we're talking about God forming and fashioning. And God forming and fashioning the way that they think, the way that they move, uh, the way that they are going to be in this life. So what the Bible is saying, not, it's not just an accident. It's not just something that's going on, some type of metabolic change. God says, I am involved in shaping that child when it's in the mother's womb. You see, unless we grab that concept that God's the one who gives life, he's the one who shapes life, he's the one that makes that child, then it's very easy to fall prey to the false narrative, ultimately, of the prince of the air who is Satan, who has influenced the way that we think so wrongly in this country and across the world concerning abortion. It all begins with the right view of God. Let me me make another statement here that may blow some of us away. The Lord does not make mistakes. And you say, well, well, wait a minute. I don't know about that. No, no, he doesn't make mistakes. As a matter of fact, if you would, would you turn to Exodus chapter, uh, let me find my my notes here, Uh, Exodus chapter 4. Now, this, this proves this for us, and, and, it, and it may be hard for some of us to understand, but once you understand this, once you accept it by faith, I think it makes life much easier in those things, but Exodus chapter 4 uh, says this, verse 11, and the Lord said unto him, who hath made man's mouth, or who makes the dumb, or the deaf, or the seen, or the blind, have not I, the Lord, done that? You say, what's your point, Jim? Jim. God doesn't make mistakes, and we should not be evaluating a child that, quote-unquote, has a handicap and saying, that's a mistake, therefore, that is a reason to end that child's life. God doesn't make mistakes. He says, I'm the one that makes the blind. I'm the one that makes the dumb. I'm the one that makes the deaf. Listen, can we relax in the sovereignty of God on some issues? Now you say, what's the point of that? Well, if you go over to John, uh, John chapter, and we won't turn there right now, John chapter 9 and verse 3, and they said, whose sin was this that caused this, this man to be blind? He says, i tell you what, Jesus' is speaking, he says, it's no one's sin, this was done in order that God would be glorified. Amen. We need to stop thinking with a... With a a finite mind and relax and trust in the the infinite God that we serve and saying, God, I don't know why, but you have purpose. That means that every child that would quote-unquote have a handicap that somebody say, oh, that poor child, listen, I don't know what God has in store for that child. What is his eternal purpose in that? I know this. I was listening to Joni Erickson Tata one time, and she was speaking to a group of folks in a, in a home that, you know, they have a hard time. Uh, as They were adults, but they were having a hard time. They did not fit in into our society. We have it. We know it. And as they, she said and she spoke to them, she says, listen, I know your minds are not working right, but when you get to heaven, your mind will work perfectly. And they erupted with applause. Life is like a vapor, saints. How long is our life here? Maybe 70, 80 years? Some of you, I just saw some beads of sweat break out. (laughs) The point being is it's short. And what's really going to matter is when we're in heaven and his presence. And this God who is creator has fashioned and shaped every life we're the ones that need to come in line with Scripture. Not making God come in line with us. A dear friend of ours, Charles Gardner, said the other night that all too often we try to make Jesus our disciple. We tell him, you come follow me. Instead of us following him. And unfortunately, the subject of abortion, many have taken a more humanistic and secular view of it rather than God's view. Second point, we've covered the Creator, now let's look at the creation. And by the way, let me give credit. Uh, this was taken from uh, most of uh, the information I got from this was taken from a blog, uh, from Grace to You. Uh, so if, if you want to get information and uh, go and look and say, hey, what does the Bible say? Great place to go, Grace to You. They have some great material there. I will reference a lot of it going through here today. But let's talk about the creation, which is man, the creator God, now the creation man. Man is created in the image of God. Genesis 1.26 tells us that. Man is totally distinct from the rest of creation. let, Let me say that again. Man is totally distinct from the rest of creation. Now, why is that important this morning? Let me say this. When we assign humans the same value and worth as animals, I believe that we have entered into a great sin. Listen, I love animals. I got them everywhere. As a matter of fact, if you want some, let me know. I mean, I've got dogs. I've got chickens. We don't have cats anymore. He went to cat heaven. But the point is, is, I love animals, but I'm going to tell you what. At the end of the day, that is an animal and it's not a human. Now, why have we gotten to that point? Listen, and I don't want to hurt any feelings this morning, right? If you love your pets, that is great. You can love them. You can, you can treat them great. But I'm going to tell you, they're not human. Don't assign them the same level. Because it degrades It degrades what God has made man as. You see, God says that only man is made in his image. And when we start saying that, that, you know, and and here's the thing, I've heard people say, listen, I'd save a dog in a heartbeat, but these humans, I wouldn't do anything for that guy. Oh, what a sinful, sinful attitude. And again, I love animals. And and the man will tell you, he he loves too many animals because he, he just keeps bringing more home. Being an image bearer of God comes with great privilege and responsibility. As humans, we're able to love, we're able to think, we're able to hate, We're able to know right from wrong. We can have relationships. All of those are a blessing from God. You see, that's really what being an image bearer means, that we have all of those capabilities. And and I know I know that some people say, well, you know, animals can think and love and all that. Yes, I, I'm sure that there's a certain level to it. But I'll quote an old professor of mine from uh, from a, when I was going through uh, college to be a ranch manager. And and Don Poston, Dr. Poston said somebody asking Dr. Poston, Do you think cows can think? And he says, If they could, they would bury their dead. Uh, right. I mean, so that was a little extreme. He's a West Texas fella, you know. Here's my point. I know that there's capability in all that. I think my dogs love me, but I'm, we're talking totally different from anything else. And until we grasp that concept that we are different, therefore, we must view humans as different than animals and trees. I mean, my, we have moved into a world where it is idolatry, it's idol worship. There were people will scream and cry over cutting down a tree, but they will step over a man in the street who is starving to death, or they will uh, promote aborting, a uh, murdering a baby, and yet they will cry and scream and, and go on and on about how we're destroying a forest. God help us. The body is the house of the image of God. What are we saying in this? Listen, a person is not just human tissue. Let that sink in. A person is more than human tissue. Our bodies hold the things that are important. And when we are in the womb, everything that is fundamental to be a human is present. It is not a fetus. It is a child. It is not a blob of tissue. It is a child. Now, the problem is, over a period of years and years, decades now, we have been educated to think differently. and I'm happy to report that looking at Riley and Page's generation, they're actually getting it more than the previous generations have since 1975. And here's why. Science has finally caught up with the Bible. And that generation is looking at science, and they're looking at fact, and they're saying, hey, there is life there. So praise God we've seen we've seen some abortion falling off now But it's still a huge, huge battle that you and I have to address. And so when we talk about that, listen, and isn't it amazing the hypocrisy that we have in our nation that when it comes to the law, if a pregnant mother is killed, and I'll get to this in a moment, uh, that a pregnant mother is killed, uh, that they will charge that person who killed them with a double homicide, but then they will turn right around and say it's, it's okay to go and kill the child through an abortion. It's hypocrisy. It's foolish. That's what we were talking about in 1 Corinthians. It's the foolishness. It's the wisdom of the world. God's people need to quit listening to the wisdom of the world and start listening to the Spirit of God through the Word of God. Amen. Amen. Let me give you the command. Now we've, we've looked at the Creator. We've looked at the creation. Now let's look at the command. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 13, you don't have to turn there right now, but I will just tell you what it does say. It says, thou shalt not kill. Pretty plain. Let me, under, let me just kind of break that out a little bit more. It means you shall not murder. You see, there, there, can, be, there can be justified killing. Can I get an amen to that, too? You, you better hope there's justified killing uh, when, when you got bad guys knocking on the door and, and, and the popo show up and take them out, right? Uh, you, you'll be happy for that. So we're not just talking about killing. We're talking about murder. That's what the Bible says. That's what that word, thou shalt not kill. He's, it's the Lord saying, you will not murder. So again, we have to have the understanding of who God is. He's the one who's creating. We have to understand who man is. He's the one who is created. And then we have to understand the command that the creator has given to the creation. And he says, you will not murder. It wasn't a suggestion. That's right out of the Ten Commandments. You will not murder. By the way, every, every uh, society that I've ever been in, and I've been in a few across this world, It's against the law to murder. Now, they will twist and turn that sometimes, what murder is. But there's a law against it. But I want you to go to Exodus chapter 21, please. Exodus chapter 21 and verse 22. The Lord was laying out law. The way that the israelites were to live he says if men strive and hurt a woman with child so that her fruit depart from her yet no mischief follow he shall be surely punished according as the woman's husband will lay upon him and he shall pay as much as the judges determine and if any mischief follow then thou shalt give life for life eye for eye tooth for tooth hand for hand burning for burning wound for wound and if a man smite Uh, The eye of a servant. The eye that goes on. But here, let me just tell you what's going on here. It's talking about a pregnant woman. Two men are in a fight. Get the picture. They're in a struggle. You know, get a little fist punching going on, fighting. Gets got a hand. Pregnant woman nearby. He ends up hitting the woman. Somehow she has gives birth. The child was born. But there are things that were done to it. That's where the eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth is whatever's done to that child, that's, that's, that's the limit that you're going to do to them. But he says this, he goes on, if that child dies, life for life. You grab that? You don't think God's serious about this subject? He says, you kill that baby? He says that I'm requiring a life of you. The Bible's very clear about capital punishment, by the way. He says, if a man sheds blood, by his blood shall that man's blood be shed. And people often misquote, if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. That's not talking about if you're a violent guy or you're a soldier or police. It's talking about if if you kill in the line of what you're doing using that, then you're going to die. Murder. Murder. You see, we, we just kind of, um, we like to sanitize these things. It's an unplanned pregnancy. It's an accident. It's a mistake. It's a blob of tissue. It's a fetus. God says no. Now, I know that we will say, and there's always the argument that comes up, and to be honest with you, I, I know folks that have struggled with this to where it literally was a life or death situation, tubal pregnancy. Murder. Murder. That needs to be the thing. You say, how bad is it, Jim, when we, when we think about these things? If you were in Sunday school this morning, you learned this fact, that since 1975, there have been 60 60, so you can say it, 60 million babies murdered in the United States alone since 1975. Compare that, and being a soldier, I know we've got a couple other servicemen that are here, that in every war that we fought since the Revolutionary War, there's only been one million people killed. Just a little over a million. And in four decades, we've murdered 60 million. You say, Pastor, this is an awful hard subject. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Is there any wonder that our nation is in the situation that it is in today? Is there any doubt why God has, has poured our own iniquity back on us when we would set by and say, six, it's okay to murder 60 million babies? Jeremiah chapter 32, if you would turn there. couple of other scriptures I want to just talk in concerning this command. Jeremiah 32, verse 35, and then we're going to turn right over to Ezekiel. But in Jeremiah thirty-two thirty-five, it says, And they built the high places of Baal, which are in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to cause their sons and daughters to pass through the fire unto Molech, which I commanded them not, neither came it into my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. The Lord's just making it clear. He says, listen, let me tell you what's going on so that you understand, and and maybe we'll get over to Ezekiel. What, What is happening in this is there was a god called Moloch, and they had this image of Moloch, and he had outstretched arms. And they would build a fire inside of this statue. And they would heat it up, and I I believe it was brass, and they would heat it up to a point that was just overwhelming heat coming off of that. And then they would take their babies, and they would lay that baby alive in the arms of this, this idol. And that child would be burnt alive in the arms of this idol. And God says, they're doing this, and and they're they're doing this, and this never even came to my mind that they would do such an abomination and cause Israel, or Judah, to sin. They were offering their children as a sacrifice. Now, if you would, go over to Ezekiel um, Ezekiel chapter 23, and verse 37 through 39 that they have committed adultery and the blood is in their hands and with their idols have they committed adultery and they have also caused their sons whom they bear to pass for them through the fire to devour them. Just exactly what we were talking about. Moreover, this they have done unto me. They have defiled my sanctuary in the same day and have profaned my Sabbaths. For when they have slain their children to their idols, they came the same day. Listen to this. They came the same day into my sanctuary to profane it. And lo, thus have they done in the midst of mine house. So what they were doing is they were offering their children as a sacrifice to Moloch. And then they were going straight into the Lord's house to worship. He says they profaned my name. And because what they've done to the children, they've done to me. You say, well, thank the Lord we don't do that. Yes, we do. You see, we have sacrificed our children to the idol of Convenience. We have sacrificed our children to the idol of self. We have sacrificed our children to the idol of secularism and humanism. And if you think God looks at abortion any different than he looks at that, then you've lost what we're trying to get across this morning, a right view of God and a right view of man and the command, thou shalt not murder. I may be fixing to make some folks angry, but that's okay because I think I got God backing me up. I can't tell you what party to vote for. But I will tell you this, I don't understand how a God-fearing person who reads the Bible and understands the Bible can ever support a party who builds their platform on the murder of babies. It's the truth. God's not a Republican. He's not a Democrat. He's God. So this party gives me better benefits. At the cost of 60 million? God help us. We wonder why our country is the way it is? I'll tell you why the country is the way it is. It's not because of what the heathen is doing. It's what God's people are not doing. That's the problem. Judgment begins in the household of God. And until God's people understand this, Don't expect the world to understand it. They're lost, they're pagans, they'll pay for it, but they're pagans, they don't know. But God's people should. And God help us when we'll put a political party up that will say yes, this is what we need to do, murder babies. And I don't even want to get into how it's done. Oh, if you, think, if you think that putting a baby in the arms of Moloch is bad, what about chopping them up? What about injecting saline solution to where they burn up? What about that? What about sticking a pair of scissors in the back of their head so they die and then cut them in pieces to pull them out of the womb? What about taking a baby that is disborn? They pull it out and throw it in a, cash, a trash can that is living. Folks, our sin is as great as Israel's. need to rescue the weak. I always tell myself I'm not going to get as wound up as I do to try and be that calm pastor. But listen, when you're talking about lives, oh, oh, saints. Can we get passionate about it? Psalm 82, if you turn there, please because this is really what it's coming down to for us. Psalm 82, verses 3 and 4. Defend the poor, the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and the needy. Deliver the poor and the needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. Is there anybody that's more defenseless than a child in a womb? You know, one of the, I had the privilege of uh, seeing two of my children born. Of course, those nurses thought, what type of bumpkin is this? I remember when Samuel was born, and I watched Samuel be born, and the nurse looked at me, and she said, well, Sergeant Jones, what did you you think about that? And I said, Kind of like pulling a calf. And uh, <laughs> I mean, they, she looked at me like, what in the world? I mean, I can tell you something else that when I preg-checked cows, to believe this or not, that I've had calves suck my finger in the womb when I'd be checking to see if there's a calf in there. See, that, that calf could fill everything. Can I tell you that baby fills We've got to stop looking at it like the world looks at it and what they've told us to look at it like, and we've got to start looking at it like God looks at it. And we need to do what we can to rescue, to defend those who cannot defend themselves. This is one of the greatest parts of the message that you will get. In fact, I believe it is the greatest, the comfort. We would not want to leave off, as a matter of fact, this part of the message because it's so important. And this is a message of hope and forgiveness. It, It would be a terrible thing if there were no hope, if there were no forgiveness, it would be a terrible thing. You see, God can forgive. And he will work through the vilest sin and demonstrate his grace for his glory. Let me tell you what the vilest sin is so we can understand that this is a forgivable sin. When Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God in the flesh, innocent in every aspect, was crucified. That, my friend, is the vilest sin ever. And it was our sin that caused it. And if God can forgive that, and he can demonstrate his love and grace through that, then may I tell you this morning that whoever you are, wherever you're at, whatever your position has been, God can and will forgive you and give you his grace. I need to say this too, and and I think it's important because sometimes the question will come up. What about the aborted babies? 60 million. Well, here's what I believe the Bible teaches on that. I believe that if you're a child of God, you will see them. I believe you will see them in heaven because I believe that God redeems each and every one of those babies. And I think a great scripture, you can write it down. I don't have the time to go into it this morning to read the scriptures, but I'll tell you what it's about. Psalm 22 and verses nine through 10 and 2 Samuel 12, 23. And here's the situation. We know that uh, David had sinned He had had an affair with Bathsheba, and in the end, he loses a son. God takes that son. And David said this, I can't bring the child back, but I can go to the child. And so what does that mean? What's the comfort in The comfort in that is this, is that for somebody, whether it be a father, or a mother, or a doctor, or a counselor, or a nurse, anybody that has ever been involved in abortion, the murder of a child, there is forgiveness. And you, don't, you can't bring that child back. Oh, but dear child of God, dear person that listens this morning, you can go to the child. Take comfort in that. Take solace in that. You see, God is an awesome God. He's a forgiving God. He's a loving God. And he's a healing God. If you know somebody, or maybe even you this morning, have been in that situation, let me recommend a book to you. It's called Safe in the Arms of God by Dr. John MacArthur. It's a little booklet written on that, just how to see that, how to come to grips with that. Here's the conclusion. This message should be a stark reminder that God is the one who creates and gives life. It should be a reminder that you and I are a very unique creation and that we are the image bearers of God. It should remind us that we do not have the right to abort, murder babies. It should be a reminder that God does not make mistakes. It should be a reminder that there is hope and forgiveness to all who would come to Christ in repentance and faith. You see, if you're here this morning and perhaps that stain is on you, The real issue is not whether you had an abortion or you were a part of an abortion. The real issue is that you need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because then and only then will you understand and experience forgiveness. Finally, it is a call For all of us to stand up for those who cannot stand for themselves, look for ways to do that. And we're going to start it this morning here at Westside Baptist Church. We already have started it by this year supporting Save a Life. We're giving financially. This church gives financially, monthly, for the purpose of rescuing babies, through counseling, through uh, uh, ultrasounds, all, all sorts of stuff that goes on down there. That is what these baby bottles will be for. And as you leave today, and if we get a couple of ladies, a couple of men, whatever, that everybody that would like one of these, to take one of these baby bottles home. Uh, they ask you to fill it up with change, uh, put cash in it, put a check in it. I'll tell you what Ann and I are going to do, is we have four grandchildren, we're going to write amount for every one of our grandchildren that we have to put in here to give to them, right? So if you want it to be changed, you want it to be a check, you want it to be cash, whatever, we'll we'll probably, this is the 20th, we'll probably do this for a a month, uh, give you time to fill these things up, you'll bring them back, we'll call Save-A-Life, we'll run them down there, and believe me, this goes for great use. The amount, just go down, just sometimes I think uh, the ladies have had had them in before, Uh, we may have them come speak to the entire church, but to hear the testimonies, of women from that place is amazing. And by the way, testimonies of young men as well. And it all starts down there. You know, This is not just about saying, hey, don't abort your baby. You know what they start with? Jesus Christ. It's one way that we can do it. I'd encourage you to grab one of those going out. It, they did send a, an email that I read and, and I'll say this, Um, If you want tax credit for it, uh, there's a form. I'll get the forms uh, that you can fill that out and put it in the baby bottle. If you're not worried about that, if you just want to give cash or change or whatever, and you're not worried about getting a receipt, so Uncle Sam takes it off, and uh, that's gonna go away soon anyway. Don't worry about it. Uh, We're we're real close to losing that 501C. Uh, It's not gonna be long in this country before that's gone. But I'm not giving, so I get a break from Uncle Sam because it only matters what God says. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I don't, I don't often do this, and, and uh, please don't feel compelled, but I, I would ask everybody to have their eyes closed. But if you're here and you don't have to, I, I'm not asking you, anything other than this is just, Pastor, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? I, I don't want to know anything unless you'd want to tell me, but if you just would like for me to, to be able to pray for you over the next week and coming weeks, would you just slip your hand up? Anybody? Thank you. Thank you. Father, We are so grateful this morning for your word. Father, we're so grateful this morning for your forgiveness and your love. How patient you are. God, we pray this morning that your message would reach far and wide and that it would influence and impact us in every aspect of this subject. We'd be a people who would be looking for ways to not only... Stop and help stop abortion, but God, that also, Lord, that we would, um, we would look for ways to share our faith how that there's forgiveness in Christ. We thank you for this day, O oh God, and we commit it to you. We commit the word to you, and Holy Spirit, we ask that you would work in the lives of people as only you were able to do, and we ask this in Christ's name. Amen.